You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Dropping In. A podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on Series 7, Episode 61. This is a series where I am talking to Team Canada's Paralympians. They have some amazing stories to share with us, and here is one more. I want to introduce you to Episode 61's guest that we will be dropping in with today. Our guest realized in his early teen years that if he was going to compete at high level in sport, it was going to have to be in para-sport. This realization blossomed to a dream of competing at the Paralympics. Born with spina bifida, as he grew up, his legs weakened and he was no longer able to alpine or Nordic ski standing up. Getting involved in the Whistler Adaptive Sports Program at the Whistler Olympic Park, he found a sport that turned into a passion. He's been racing for the past nine years in the sport of para-Nordic skiing. He's a bronze medalist, having represented BC at the 2015 Winter Games in Canada. He made his dream come true of competing at the 2018 Paralympic Winter Games as a teenager. And he didn't stop there. He raced at the 2019 World Championships and got to race in his second Paralympics at the 2022 Beijing Games. On top of all that, he is also an avid paddler. He and his father took part in the world's longest canoe race, three days long, 715 kilometers long in the Yukon. This sun medalist skier, the canoeer, two-time Paralympian, is training hard. Let me introduce Ethan Hess. Ethan, how Hello. are you today? I'm very good. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit tired. We're I think ten days into a into a, a training camp here in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. So um, today was our, our first day off, which was definitely needed after ten pretty pretty heavy days of training. Oh, but uh, yeah, doing very very well. Awesome. It's so good to see you. And now I haven't, for the listeners, I saw you when I was training in the gym and you were always training so hard. And then I just yeah. saw some of your training in Bend, Oregon, where you were like lifting 75 pounds in each hand. I was very <laughs> impressed. Always impressed. Now I didn't mention you are from Pemberton, just yeah. up the road from me. You grew up there. Yeah. Um, but right now you're in Bend, Oregon. So thanks for sharing that. Are you ready to drop in with the rapid fire that is never rapid. Super ready. Very excited. <laughs> okay. Number one, do you have a lucky charm? Um, not particularly. I've never been a, a very like item attached person. Okay. Um, so, so n not, not necessarily. Um, yeah, like I, I have, I have things, I guess that like items that, 
come from events that I've done that I'm, I'm proud of, but yeah. I've never really attached myself to something to, to give my, my luck to. No lucky socks. No, no, no <laughs> lucky socks. I had some lucky socks for a while there. It's not the best thing to do. Whatever makes you perform the best, right? <laughs> exactly. Everyone's Everyone has their own thing. Totally, totally. It's all mental, I think. Yeah, for um, sure. Okay, number two, what's the favorite place that you've traveled to that Nordic skiing has taken you to? And then also just for pleasure, where's the best place you've been? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, New Zealand, it was... Uh, th- that's where we, I, I've only gone there once before in the lead up to uh, to the 2018 games. Okay. Um, hopefully, I'll get to go there again in a in a month for uh, for a training camp. Since it's the the seasons are reversed, there's snow there, so we'll do yeah. we'll do three weeks of training in in uh, a town called Wanaka. Oh, you go to um, Wanaka! I love Wanaka. Yeah, yeah Wanaka is an amazing place, isn't it? It's it reminds so me so special. much of Pemberton and Whistler. Yes, a small yeah. town, but like yeah. everyone's there for the same reasons. It's beautiful. Yeah. Nice. yeah, it's an amazing place. Okay, and then for pleasure, just like maybe not skiing, is there anywhere else that you love, have fallen in love with? Um, It's really just hard to beat BC. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so hard to beat BC. Like, beautiful like, British Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Pick, pick any uh, – um, any of the amazing lakes I've gotten to paddle or camp campsites I've gone to like logging roads around Whistler or Pemberton that have beautiful viewpoints. Like, yeah, especially now that I'll be getting back in the groove of traveling so much, I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to be super excited to just go home and hang out with my friends and go find somewhere cool to camp around home. Cause it's just such an amazing place. I feel like you're really good at finding little nooks and crannies. Um, yeah. When you go out. That's awesome. So nice to yeah. hear. So this question might be an obvious one for the listeners and the viewers now. Number three, big city or small town? Small town, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like, because you're in Bend, Oregon right now, do you feel like you're in like kind of a bigger city, even though it is a small town? Well, it's actually, it's gotten really big. It's like 100,000 <laughs> plus people. But it has this small town feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is really interesting. Like I've been exploring like on most of the workouts we do with the team, but then in the afternoon, sometimes there'll be like a recovery workout that you go off and and do on your own. And I've gone off and on the trails on my mountain board, which is like a big skateboard that we mount our, our sit skis on top of and train on the roads. Um, and you can take it on dirt trails and I'll just be going around and I'll, I'll like ask people like where the different trails go and they're all so friendly. So mm-hmm. it's giving a very small town vibe here. It's, it's really cool. That's awesome. That's a special place for me too. I would always um, drive down from Whistler to uh, Mammoth Lakes, California, mm-hmm. and then Oregon would be where I would break up the drive and I have lots of friends there. So shout out to everyone in Bend. <laughs> Super cool that you mentioned Mammoth. That's actually another training camp site that we do. Because of the high elevation. Exactly. Yeah. I've never personally been there, but hopefully, hopefully I'll go this season. I think you'll like it there too. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard amazing things. Okay. Number four, we're out of the gym. Now, Mm -hmm. would you, I feel like this, this answer, um, but I just, I honestly remember you just working out so hard when you're in the gym. Um, Yeah. I'm a skier. On that, yeah, the ski elliptical yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
would you have music blaring in your ears or would you just be listening to your own breath? Um, on, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a big podcast person, funnily enough. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, especially for long, slow workouts. Yeah. Um, cause that's a lot of what we do, um, is just long, slow training. Um, especially on the erg cause it's so boring cause you're just staring at the wall. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then if I'm in the gym, like doing weights, I, I don't really listen to anything. And if I'm yeah. out exploring, I don't listen to anything cause I like to hear the sounds of nature and, and mm-hmm. focus really on my technique. Like yeah. I find I get a bit distracted if I'm trying to ingest information at the same time as well. Sure. But with the Yurg, I just couldn't, I couldn't cut silence for a couple and hours is that when the you're staring at the wall. Where yeah. you're just like pulling yeah. and with your arms, you're just kind of, yeah. what, how would you explain that to people? Um, well, uh, I think like concept two also makes a rowing machine. Those are a lot more common. Yeah. So it's kind of like a rowing machine, but for skiing. So you have two pulleys. Right. with a, with a ski with a handle with like a ski grip and you just pull down it's it's very ski like tricep workout nonstop. tricep and and back it's like back. for for yeah for skiing the the main muscles we use for double pole are lats yeah. and and back and and shoulder and, and tricep um okay. but the main drivers are going to be the back muscles yeah um how long so yeah, would you spend on that thing because honestly when i would look up and you were just still going and I was like the poor guy he's going forever I think back then I was spending like between 15 and 20 hours a week on (laughs) on it yeah it was pretty brutal like uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that and it and I wouldn't do that again and frankly it wasn't the best training like like the the mountain board where we're pushing on the roads is is significantly better just there's something about the pulleys attaching above you yeah that doesn't give the exact same motion okay and and just the transfer of power is not the same because you're not Mm -hmm. pushing into the ground like um so i i have one of those at my house in pemberton and i use it if my mountain board is broken or okay or if the real conditions aren't safe but yeah, the real thing or the real thing on the road, which is as close as you're going to get if you're not on snow, is definitely a lot better. But awesome. um, And it's just it's a lot less boring. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, number five, What do you have a favorite race that you've been in so far? I mean, you have gone to two Paralympics, but I know there are a lot of races in between. Is there anything that stands out or is it like Paralympics all the way? Um, The – the 10k and the sprint race at the Canmore World Cup which was the the most recent Canmore World Cup in uh 2021 uh uh late November into early December mm-hmm. um which was also the Paralympic qualifier yeah. for um for 2022 is definitely I'd say like the highlight of my career I think I had the best races there that I've ever had Okay. And and the pressure was really really high because I think we had three less spots this oh games God. compared to last games. Oh. So even though I'm a much much better skier, yeah. this like four years later than I was four years ago, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 when I was getting ready for 2018, mm-hmm. the the guys I had to beat to go were a completely different level. Like like 
the the guy I had to beat to go, he was a three-time Paralympian and he crushed me at the last games and was, was a lot better than me. So I had to make up a lot of time okay. in like over those four years. Um, yeah. And I thought, and also I thought there was going to be more spots. We were kind of blindsided by the amount of spots there was. Oh, so it's never easy. So, it's yeah. <laughs> and people yeah, are like, but, I'm so glad we're sharing this because a lot of people don't understand the pressure that is before the Paralympics mm-hmm, or the Olympics mm-hmm. and how hard it is to qualify. So I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah, especially I, I'm on the bubble a little bit. Like I, I'm not, I'm not the top of the the heap of the national team, even even close to that yet. So yeah, it was um, it was a, it was the most pressure I've felt in my career because it was like, especially because the 5K before yeah. the 10K in the sprint, I hadn't had a good race and he'd beaten me by like 25 seconds or something. Okay, so it was like. I had to have a much better race to even go to the games. Oh my! And when gosh. you go to the games four years earlier, just like if I don't go to the next ones, it's going to be a massive disappointment. Oh, right? so heartbreak. Yeah, heartbreak. Yeah, Mom. it was a lot of pressure. I feel, I feel yeah. just talking about it. Yeah. Okay, so Canmore twenty twenty one highlight reel for sure. Um, number six, if you had to choose, would you choose canoeing? Or skiing for uh, for com- competing, I, yeah. I'd say skiing. Like like I'm way more involved in in competing in, in skiing than yeah. I am in, in canoeing. Um, for for like pleasure and enjoyment, a canoe trip is so incredible because you can just put all your stuff in the canoe and you can just go and, and the amount, the amount of time you can spend out in nature because you have this vehicle to hold all your stuff and is, is a, is an amazing feeling. Um, but, um, luckily one's in the summer and one's in the winter. So I don't like, I'm way more focused on skiing. I ski, like, I'm not, I don't canoe that much. Um, because I'm training so much for skiing. Um, but, uh, the, the good thing is the type of canoe races I like to do, which are really, really long, you can be good <laughs> into your 40s, 50s okay. even. So, so that'll be – that'll be a, Yeah, I'll focus on on those ultra-endurance canoe races after I'm, after I'm done skiing is what I, <laughs> what I feel like, how my, my sporting career will go. I love it. I love it that you love this, like going forever, because I was just saying today that my sport took like 30 seconds. <laughs> it's a completely different mindset, but I'm not willing to risk the things you guys are willing to risk. <laughs> oh, it's, it's always different. I love yeah. it. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. Um, number seven, what would you say is the top place in Canada that you trained at? Or mm, trained at? Yeah, in Canada, all of Canada. Um, Canmore has some incredible ski trails. Yeah, that's why it's the but... heart of cross-country skiing. Yeah, um, I've heard such good things there. But actually, Prince George has amazing, oh. especially ski, sit ski specific, because okay. we need less hills, less technical stuff, um, some George. amazing trails. Um, and then Lost Lake in Whistler is great. Like, I spent a lot of time there, um, not this past backyard. season, but the season before. There's a lot of good skiing in Canada. Yeah, But there is. Yeah, it's hard to pick. I love that you said Lost Lake. I literally, like, live right there. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing place. Isn't it? It's so beautiful. <laughs> I cannot complain. Um, okay. So you have been on Whistler and Blackcomb, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I was mainly a Blackcomb guy because my dad patrolled for Blackcomb. So, oh my gosh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my mom was dispatched for Whistler. Oh, really? Super cool. So they really yeah. know each other. Okay, yeah. so you're a Blackcomb kid. Yeah, I'm main, yeah, kid. definitely. <gasps> yeah. Rivals, but not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was number eight. I always love to ask that question for Whistler, like area locals. Cause yeah, because everyone's got a mountain. Everyone does have a mountain. So yeah. funny. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, number nine, how did the pandemic change your training? It, it The pandemic came at a really interesting time for me because I'd actually taken the season off before for some, some health issues and some mental health stuff. Like I just, I needed to take a step back yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, and then the pandemic hit as I was kind of moving back into training. Um, and it gave me a really cool opportunity where there wasn't, oh, there was almost nothing else to do. Right. So I trained a lot more in that pandemic year, almost double than I than I'd ever trained an entire year before. So um the pandemic was an amazing opportunity for me to just put in a lot of work when there was no distractions. You couldn't really see your friends, you couldn't do anything besides go go into nature, which I felt so lucky as an endurance athlete that um like you could still go into nature. Cause I know I, I really felt for a lot of the other athletes who weren't able to go to the gym, they weren't able to go to the ice rink. Yeah. They weren't able to do their team sports. So I, it was a real, a real blessing in, in a way for, for, mm -hmm. for my training and, and to be an endurance athlete, I, I felt incredibly lucky. Awesome. That's actually so good to hear. Cause I think again, for so many other athletes, it, it, it went in different directions for people. So I'm glad that uh, you were able to make it work for you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay. Last rapid fire. That's never rapid. Uh, if you number 10, if you weren't skiing, what would you be doing? Uh, I guess canoeing. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Do you have any other hobbies, passions? Um, I'm really interested in, in history. Um, so if I, if I had gone down a conventional route of going to school, cause I haven't gone to gone mm -hmm. to post-secondary as of yet, um, maybe go and, and be a history professor or something like that. I'm also interested in, in being a personal trainer. So I, I plan to do that alongside my skiing. Um, so if you're looking for training in the future, I'm going to be a personal trainer. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Shout out. I will not be lifting 75 pounds in each arm. I can tell you that much. I don't think so. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Let's thank you so much for doing the rapid fire. That's never rapid. Yeah, no problem. Everyone got fun. to know you a little bit more. Um, let's talk about your kind of journey into not being able to ski standing up anymore and that transition mm -hmm. into para. And then we'll talk about the Paralympics as well. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I, I was skiing from a very young age. I, I learned to walk around the age of two being born with a disability. Definitely. It took me some, a longer time, but then it was really interesting because the, the thing I would wear to help walk or they're called AFOs and they kind of, they go up to your, to just below your knee. Okay. Well, and, and they help, they give you support to help you walk. Well, what's that kind of like? It's kind of like a ski boot. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, totally. and, and my dad was a patroller and, and all my friends were skiing. It's a very normal thing to just start skiing as soon as you really can in, in Pemberton and Whistler. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I started skiing at a young age and, and, um, 
And then I, I skied downhill standing up through the Whistler Adaptive Sports Program and and skied a lot with my dad and my mom. I was I was homeschooled till the age of 13. So if okay. um if the skiing was good, the the lesson was go out and enjoy nature and go skiing, right? So I love it. um but then around the age of 13, as as I started to get heavier, mm-hmm. that was a big thing. The pressure on my back became a lot more. And then also your friends start to get a lot better by the, by the age of 13 in Pemberton with the things your friends are skiing is just insane right yeah. so it starts to get side note for people that don't live here it's it's a mecca and if you yeah. think you're a really good skier you're not <laughs> yeah because there's yeah. like a million Paralympians and a million Olympians that are all here and everyone's trying to best each other so yeah yeah there's a million guys who never make it to that level who would be the best skier in a town in Ontario it's exactly. wild like exactly. the, the level here is just like you'll be on a chairlift and you look down and there's a seven-year-old skiing just oh yeah the craziest thing you've ever seen it's <laughs> it's an amazing place to live yeah um, so your friends were getting that going yeah and then so then it becomes kind of tough right because you can't go out and ski with your friends mm-hmm. the pain of standing and became more um extreme as as I gained gained weight and is this your is 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 it in your lower back, your upper back, or your mid back? Yeah, it's it's in my low back. I, I forget okay. what the L. I think That's it's L four, L five, maybe. Okay. Um, but the vertebrae are damaged essentially. Yeah. Um, okay. So so and the vertebrae they help hold you up so it, as as well as protecting the nerves, right? So mm-hmm. there's um, yeah, the 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 pain started to get worse. Um, and then I had a surgery. Okay. Um, and that put me out for like six weeks in grade eight. And for me, I needed to ski a lot to, to maintain my level. Right. So, and then also grad, uh, moving from being homeschooled in, in grade seven to, to going to high school in grade eight. Um, a lot of life changes. So, yeah. um, yeah, there was a, there was a variety of things that kind of shifted me to, to not um, stand up skiing anymore. Yeah, and so then you you said that you did do stand up ski with Whistler Adaptive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, they, you did. Um, you sorry. Did you transfer into the sit ski in that program as well? I I did. I I didn't ever really take it like super seriously, like because mm-hmm. at that same time as I started to transfer to a sit ski, um. I also started to take cross country. I was, it was around the same time as I was starting to ski cross country. Okay. And I had this feeling of downhill is fun and it should always be fun. Yeah. I don't want to go and do downhill when I don't want to do downhill. Okay. But that doesn't, but that's not how it works when you want to be really, really good. <laughs> you have to go yeah. ski in the rain. When you yeah. want to be a really good skier. <laughs> 100%. And Nordic just kind of sucks to begin with. Like, it's fun and I love it. I love being out in nature, but it's hard. And, it like, is. it's very physically, it's not, like, it's not fun it's the same demanding. way downhill's fun. It's like, so demanding. Yeah. Downhill's hard and downhill's incredibly risky. Um, so I have a ton of respect for for really, really good downhill skiers. They ski in a, in a way that... Not only I never could, but I'd never be willing to. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. um, 
so I just had this, and, and I just, I loved how hard how the, the sh- physical shape you had to be in. Um, you like, do you like the challenge of that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I find, I just found You're it a different fun. breed, my friend. Yeah. So, breed. and I respect that. I love it. I just, yeah. Cause I like seeing that dedication in your face and like, I think everyone sees it when you race and when you mm-hmm. train. And so it's, 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 it's oozes out passion to other people like my friend you're doing amazing things it's yeah so thank cool. you so much <laughs> um okay let's let's so you transitioned into sit sit uh nordic skiing and how like how did that roll out for you did you just end up doing kind of like local races here or where did that take you yeah so so the first time i tried was through skiing is believing a, a program through whistler adaptive sports program which is an amazing program if yeah, yeah. If you're around the Whistler Pemberton area, absolutely get involved with them and and yeah, support them there. They do amazing things. Nice. And if you have you have a child with a disability or you have a disability, reach out to them. They just do. They do amazing stuff. Cool. Um. So yeah, I started skiing and and with at that program, I it was a one day thing, so I tried it out mm-hmm. and we did a, a mock race at the end, okay. and I think only one guy beat me. And he was in his 30s and I was like 13. So (laughs) off the bat, I was like, oh, I think I think maybe I could be pretty good at this, I guess. Um, So and I was competitive. Right. You lose when you're when you're disabled and you run around with your friends, you lose a lot of running races for a lot of years. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it definitely lights you want you want to win because you don't get to win that much. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool, um, cool. So then I started racing with with Team BC at and my first competitions were yeah around around BC at like there would be para para Nordic categories at mm-hmm. at um at like just a normal cross country race. Yeah. Um and then BC Games is kind you of did. the first level and then and then Canada Games. Uh, was like the first main thing to train for. Um, but from the beginning, they talked about 2018 being a goal. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try and shoot for 2018. And then that kind of became my, my goal at, at 13, 14. <laughs> As like no normal other kid would be. Yeah. Uh, my first Olympics, I was 22. So you crushed it, my friend. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a bit, how, pair, pair is a bit different. How, how was the experience for you going to the para games? I know I do want to compare, obviously, the 2018 games to the 2022. Mm-hmm. Very, very different games, yeah. obviously, due to the pandemic. But, but um, looking back at the 2018 games, um, was that an amazing experience for you? Or were you like, gosh, I wish I did more? Or why didn't I do this? Or I freaking loved it. How was definitely, it? Definitely, definitely a mixed bag of both. It was, <laughs> it was from a competitive standpoint, it was disappointing. I, I didn't perform on the level that I had the year before, mm-hmm. um, which when you're 17, 18, you just expect to just get better because you're just going to physically mature and ski more. But yeah. I, I transitioned out of high school and I, and I lived away from home. So and and I didn't have a coach like close to me in Whistler. My coach was in North Van, um, and I didn't have my parents living with me to support me. And I, I failed to get my driver's license uh, 
I, I was kind of resistant to do that. So that I didn't train enough. I, I spent too much time on the erg and not enough time really skiing or, or mountain boarding. Um, okay. So you learned from that. Yeah. What um, you needed to take. Yeah. But on the other hand, my team had a record breaking games. I think we won <laughs> something ridiculous, like 16 medals or something. It was, it was an amazing team performance. So to be there and see, see my teammates winning, winning medals, winning gold medals day after day was an amazing experience and being surrounded by that energy. Um, and not just, not just the North paranordic team, but the Alpine team had a great games. Mm -hmm. Um, sledge hockey team uh, won one silver which i know they weren't particularly <laughs> stoked for that but they they had a great games too and and i actually i got to go watch a sledge hockey game and ah, which was amazing guys. yeah um so yeah it was it was an amazing experience and it definitely motivated me for the for the future but from a, my own competitive standpoint it was definitely a disappointment which is weird because people are so stoked for you because you went to the games, uh -huh. but if they're not like, if they're not close to you, they don't. like, and you're talking to them about your career and stuff, they don't fully get like that. You can go to the games and have a disappointing year. Totally. People, right? that, oh my gosh. I, people are like, Oh, how did you do at the games? I'm like, Oh, I got six that one of them. Cause I actually don't know how I did at the other ones. And I don't care. Cause it wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's it is a it is I call it like this roller coaster for sure. Sixth is amazing. That's an that's an incredible achievement. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. But the other ones I don't know, so it's yeah. kind of funny. Oh yeah. man, awesome. Um, what can you just quickly explain? Um, in para Nordic, there is uh, there are different categories of racing. Mm -hmm. right? Do you want to just briefly let the listeners and viewers know what those are? Yeah, for sure. So. In Paranordic, there's that there's like categories within categories because yeah. because it it re, the, so there's like three different main categories yeah. um, with uh, male and female in, in both of those categories. Mm -hmm. um, sitting, so that's the category that I race in. So it's sit skiing, yeah. um, and then there's standing. So people who are missing an arm or a hand or fingers or some people some people who are lower lower amputees like missing a part of their leg they some of them choose to do sit ski and some of them choose to do standing it depends on their background and the yeah. level of amputation and just personal preference yeah. um and then visually impaired and then within those categories of course there's people with disabilities who are more or less disabled than someone else. Like me mm -hmm. personally, I'm still able to walk a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I have my full core. So I race at a hundred percent, which means my time is my time. But okay. then that's not really fair if others. someone else is paralyzed from the chest down, the, the amount of muscle, like, or yeah, just below the chest down, the amount of muscle mm -hmm. that they have to call on is completely different than compared to me yeah so then uh my category is called l or classification is what it's called is lw12 um and there's 11.5 11 10.5 11, and 10 okay um and so then their times just um do, like get 
taken off a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, they all get a percentage taken off. So it's so complicated and complex, but it's like so good to know because I don't Mm -hmm. think everyone knows that. Because I mean, I I knew I knew that, but I don't Mm -hmm. get into the deep deep um, categories within the categories of the categories. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Thanks so much for sharing. I appreciate. Yeah, no problem. I think it's really good to educate people on how parasport works, and then it's easier to enjoy it when you understand it right so yeah totally think, so when we're when we're watching you we're like that time is his time mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> luckily what they do is they have the factor like as you go through Even. the different checkpoints and they 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 explain who's in first place or second place they yeah. factor it for you so you don't have to do like the math in your own head yeah, um so awesome but uh yeah yeah it's it's good good to help people have an understanding of how parasport works because it's a little bit different. Totally. I do want to touch on um, your nutrition and how into meditation you are and cold mm-hmm. therapy, cold therapy recovery, because I had my first um, cold tub at the, I think it was the 2010 games, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I was like in so much pain and they're like, you got to do this. And I was like, that sounds like awful. Mm -hmm. I I don't love it. I don't love it, but I feel like you love it. Um, (laughs) yeah, I I've loved swimming in cold water since I was a kid. Like my my dad was really big into it. So that kind of led me being super into it. Um, and just like, we go to Alpine lakes and the lakes are pretty cold in Pemberton and Whistler anyways. So, Oh, pretty cold. They're glacier freezing. There's like glacier chunks in a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of always just enjoyed the feeling. Um, and do you find that, uh, I mean, I found that it helped with my recovery for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I do find it, it can help, it can help with your recovery, but they're like, there's, it's, it's interesting because I, I've read some studies, uh, particularly one they did with road cyclists where they had where they had them ice one of their legs and then not ice the other leg and then they trained for like 6 weeks okay. and then they compared um the strength gain and endurance gain in each leg and the leg that wasn't iced actually gained more strength oh to come on yeah and and the reason they think this is happening is because you're blunting the signal to your body to get better by okay. icing it Okay, interesting. So in training, I, I try not to do ice right after. Um, okay. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of contrast. So I go back and forth between mm-hmm. hot and cold because mm-hmm. I, I believe that there's a dilation and a constriction in the cells, which cycle, which cycles nutrients and blood out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think this, this gives a recovery impact factor but the signal isn't being disrupted in the same way um but then if i'm at a competition yeah um then uh th- then i'll do the, the cold or even leading into the competition um shivering uh, demands a lot of calories yeah. so if i need to get a little bit leaner um going into to race season yeah i'll like i'll do a really cold bath um to shiver to try and to bur- like burn some more calories if I can't train a bunch because we're tapering. Yeah. Um, and I'd rather do an ice bath and then get to eat more chocolate than not <laughs> eat the chocolate and not do the ice bath. So I love it. 
Um, yeah, and, and I, I enjoy the feeling and, and the things it does to your mind, I think, is the, the biggest factor. Yeah, is, is it kind more... of like a meditation for you as well? Like how long would you stay in? Um, the longest ones I've done are like between like 10 and the longest one I've ever done is probably like 25 minutes. But that, that oh was my... just to, that's just to push myself mentally. There was no other reason to do that other than I wanted to see if I could. You're just numb. You like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good for you. But Amazing. normal is like ten to ten minutes. Still around. sounds awful. Awful. <laughs> Props to you. Oh my gosh. So you are training in Bend, Oregon, right now. What is next on the roster for you? Um. Uh. So then, then I think we we have we have an intensity coming up, so a, a hard interval workout. Um. And then. Uh, we're going to climb Mount Bachelor one more time, I believe. Okay. Um, so we roller ski up the road, which is amazing. Uh, as a para-athlete, yeah. there's not as many opportunities to go up mountains. Okay. So a paved road to the top of a mountain is is a really cool experience. So we'll go to the top, and then we'll do laps for for some elevation training. Um, oh, and I, and I wanted to touch on the, the meditation as well. Yeah. Um, um, there's, a, there's a method called the Wim Hof Method. Which is oh, that's the 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 bath, the cold water. Yeah, it's the cold bath combined yeah. with with a meditation breathing, and yeah. and I that was kind of where I started to to experiment with these breathing techniques. Um, okay. But then my dad is actually a shamanic yoga teacher. Oh, um, cool. so, what hasn't your dad done? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and my mom's a yoga teacher too. Well, and and has been in the past. So. They're all about I started to get really like interested in in yoga and excuse me. Um, but are they like more so yoga with the breath work as well? Because I feel like that's really authentic. My, my mom was more movement. Okay. Um and breath. Yeah. Um like she was she was talking to me about this breathing stuff actually years ago, and then I didn't start to get interested in it until later. Of course she's like, Yeah, of course you don't get interested in it until your your dad starts doing it, which is <laughs> ridiculous i should have listened to her listened to her earlier in life we, i think we always say that though yeah back. <laughs> um but uh yeah and like you said it's more authentic because it's really interesting what happened with yoga when it came to the west the the breathing was a little too spiritual a little a little con like conflicted with like religion too much yeah. when yoga was first trying to make its footprint so what they did is they just made it kind of like stretching and a workout right <laughs> Is to try and sell it to, to the West. Yeah. But yoga was always about breathing mm -hmm. and always about meditation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's like like of course it was about movement too. Like that's a different, I think it's called asana is the is the movement piece, but mm -hmm. the main piece was always about breathing. Yeah. Um so and yeah, it's just it's incredibly interesting the the so, impact it can have on your on your mind. Yeah, your your psychology is the the way it, it can change and is is very very interesting. It can help you get into flow state when you're skiing because you can get used to being there from the breathing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and is that the breathing that you would use in the 25 minutes that you were in the cold tub? <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I. I 
like there's actually a risk of passing out when you do too much of the, the, the meditation. So they tell you not to do it when you're in the cold water. You do it before. Okay. And it kind of primes your mind to handle the the cold water. And then I might do it after again. Okay. Um, like I, I try and take deep, controlled, solid breaths. But there's a bunch of different kinds of yoga breathing you can do. Um I would do. Uh, and, I would do like the the um, switching yeah, back I, and th- forth. Yeah, that's that's actually part of my pre race routine. Me too. And that has I been like that. my mom taught me that when I was like 15 years old. And yeah. I, I, you can see me doing it in the start. Like if if the camera's ever on me in the starting lineup, where like you just as the for person, the listeners, you cover one nostril, breathe yeah. in, and then and then cover the other nostril. Yeah. Um, I agree that it's just so um, grounding, I think, mm-hmm. and calming if you're like getting nervous or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, okay, we'll, we'll I think it's called dragon out. breath. I can't remember or something. Breath Maybe. of fire. I can't remember mm-hmm. what that one's called, but it's yeah, it's part of my pre-race routine. I'm, I'm a big, awesome. big fan of that one. It's fun so. that you, you do that as well. <laughs> I don't have to do it anymore. Well, maybe if yeah. I'm like freaking out, but yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was super into that for sure. Yeah, um, super cool. Ethan, thank you so much. Is there anything else? We didn't really touch on uh, the 2022 games. We didn't. I, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, obviously the pandemic was just a game changer and it mm-hmm. was lucky that you guys even got to go. Yeah. Um, was there any like fear in your in your head going to those games? Yeah. The, the biggest factor was like a, about the pandemic wasn't when you're actually there. Cause once you're there, I felt like we made it. Yeah. Everyone got tested a bunch coming in. Yeah. We're going to be fine now. Like, like, yeah, I, I had a high level of confidence that once we were there, it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely getting on that plane, a big sigh of relief and then getting to the, the village, another huge sigh of relief. Yeah. But yeah, the months leading into it, you're not really seeing your friends inside at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really, you're cutting down the amount of people you're seeing a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of, that's hard, obviously. Um, sure. And then, yeah, just the stress of like, if you go and get groceries, then you're just like stressed out for like a week. Yes, of, am I going to get it? Because not only would you not be able to go, but how is it going to impact your training if you do get it in say January and then, our games are in March, so you could recover. You could recover, and you could go and test yeah. negative n- enough times. But, um, yeah, it was uh, definitely it added. Body. It, it made the stress like it. It upped the stress levels a lot. For, for sure. sure. Um, did you get to walk in? I'm sorry, walk or, or wheel into the um, uh, opening ceremonies and closing ceremonies? Were you I, there I, for those? I, I didn't for either. We we were really far away in 2022. Okay. Um, so I didn't get to go to either. In 2018, I went to just the closing. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's kind of this culture in Nordic of like our, we race usually the next day or the day after. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you wouldn't go. Yeah, there's this the, – and I'm sure there is for, for other sports, but Nordic, I really like – yeah, I feel like just that every every moment of sleep, every moment of relaxation you can get is going to give you more gas – to push in the race so yeah. um 
yeah, you probably won't see me in the in the opening ceremonies. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And I think a lot time. of people a lot of people don't know that. Um, I literally mm-hmm. was talking to someone today. They're like, "Oh, I just thought everyone walked in the all the athletes walked in the opening ceremonies." I was like, "No, because mm-hmm. it can be detrimental to your race or your competition." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. I do appreciate that so much. Where can people find you online if they want to check out what you're doing? Um, I'm mainly active on uh, Instagram, so Hess underscore Ethan. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I post post all my stuff. I I am planning on uh, having a website built that will probably include a blog, but it'll be mainly around uh, uh, personal training once I get that and get a kind of a online business up and running. That that's kind of my plan is to do online coaching while I'm so I can travel and and coach um particularly for people with disabilities um i'm i'm really really i really want to give back to the community and i know there's like there's a lot of health problems in in the disability community it's it's hard to move for a lot of us just because we're in pain yeah so i'm super passionate about about helping fitness in the in the uh disability community um so yeah, look for that. Uh, I'll be posting updates on my on my Instagram about that. So Hess underscore Ethan is is where all the main stuff will be. Awesome. Ethan, thank you so much for dropping in today. I yeah. learned so much more and I hope you make it to New Zealand again and all the places that you love and wish you the best of luck in training. Thank you so much. Yeah, super. This is my first podcast appearance ever. So I'm, I'm super happy to be here and um, yeah. Thank you so much. All right, everyone go follow Ethan and we will chat soon. Bye. Thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.